Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode of the Positive Impact Podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh, delicious, healthy, and fresh meals delivered straight to your door. Enjoy cooking again with scrumptious and easy to prepare meals three nights a week. Visit positiveimpactpodcast.com slash fresh for $40 off your first box. If you're looking for ways to make a positive impact on both your health and the world, then today's episode is for you. I'm so excited to have Lisa Curtis, founder of Cooley Cooley, joining us. This new nutritional company is bringing up the next big superfood, Moringa, to American markets. Not only is this plant serving up the best nutritional punch you've ever seen, it's also addressing global malnutrition and empowering farmers in developing worlds. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We're going to be getting into that bold statement of the next big superfood. But first, what in the world is Moringa? So Moringa is a tropical tree, and the leaves of the tree are more nutrient-dense than kale, and they provide a complete protein similar to quinoa or meat. So it's one of the most nutritious plants you can eat, and you can actually live off of this plant. It's so nutritious. You can live off of just one plant. Yeah, you really can. There's a lot of people in the U.S. who think that the world is going to end and they're stockpiling Moringa. Um, Those aren't our best customers, but Moringa is (laughs) really great for anyone who just needs an extra nutritional boost. What do you mean? They're just stockpiling it. Isn't that exactly (laughs) what you want? It's true. (laughs) When you say that this is very nutritional, you're really not kidding. I was reading that it's got substantial protein, vitamin A, calcium, vitamin C, and I, am I reading that right? Yeah, no, it really does. It's um, kind of like a multivitamin in a leaf. And it, it is the most nutrient-dense green that has been researched. So it's you know more nutrient-dense than kale, spinach, spirulina, <laughs> pretty much anything you can think of. Protein in a leaf. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so... I was seeing photos, and this is like a tree, and then you eat the leaves? Is that what's going down right now? Yeah, so people don't often think of eating tree leaves, um, but the leaves of Moringa are, they're sort of like a third of the size of spinach. They're tiny little circular leaves, and you can just pull them off the tree. It doesn't kill the tree at all. Um, And then in West Africa, where where I first came across Moringa, and they often mix it with this kind of fried peanut ball called Cooley Cooley. And that's where our name comes from because our, our first Moringa product was sort of a, a twist, American twist off the popular West African snack. I love it. Integrating kind of that local culture because you were there for Peace Corps, correct? Yeah. So I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Niger, um, 2010 to 2011. And unfortunately, there was a terrorist attack when I was seven months into my Peace Corps service. So I didn't get to finish what I'd started, but I came back to the U.S. and realized I was in the largest market for superfoods in the world. And so started Cooley Cooley as a way to continue to support some of the women in West Africa who I'd started working with and grown to love and also to bring this really nutritious plant here to the U.S., With these new kind of recipes that you've been exploring, are they more inspired by the American ideal of food or more pulling from the roots of Niger? 
Um, so we have a lot more variety in our diet in America. <laughs> um, one of my biggest challenges in Niger is that I was actually feeling pretty malnourished, which is why I originally started eating Moringa. There's just not a ton of variety. Um, and particularly as a vegetarian, I was pretty much eating just, you know, millet and rice and sometimes a little bit of beans in my rice. But, um, yeah, our, our, we've since had quite a few of our customers and even um, Jose Andres, a pretty well-known chef, um, get really excited about experimenting with Moringa. So if anyone's on Instagram, check out the hashtag Moringa Inspired. It's, there's some pretty cool recipes up there. I love that your users are actually coming to you and saying, we're so invested in this product that here's our take on it. Yeah, well, it's a really fun product to work with because it turns everything you make green. So we've had like moms serve their kids green mac and cheese and they're, you know, even though they're sneaking vegetables in their kids' diets, the kids think it's kind of cool because it looks green. (laughs) I bet St. Patrick's Day is a big sale for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Let me get this straight. So you have a leaf. And it's got all this nutritional powder. If it's that healthy, it has to taste terrible, right? It doesn't. I mean, it definitely tastes green. Like it is It is a vegetable. So it tastes can, green. <laughs> um, we tell people it tastes a lot like matcha. So it, ta- it has kind of like a green tea, earthy, sort of smoky flavor. It's not as bitter as kale and it's not as spicy as arugula. Um, but it, you know, it goes well with a bunch of different things. Uh, my favorite thing is to just add it, add it with a banana, a little bit of peanut butter and some soy milk and make this really awesome green smoothie. Um, and it's way easier than like spending my morning ripping up kale leaves, which is what I used to do. <laughs> Let's talk about the versatility of using this because I'm guessing that you just don't ship lots of leaves around the world. <laughs> no. So we so we started off working in West Africa, um, started off working in Niger, actually, and then found that um, it's just really hard to export anything out of Niger. So we ended up moving to Ghana, where we've been working with a really great partner there um, called the Fair Harvest Farmers Association. And um, through them, we have access to this cooperative of 500 women. Um, they pluck the leaves off the tree. They powder it. They will wash it, powder it, dry it, and then process it into a powder. Um, And so that powder is then what we receive here in the U.S. And we sell that raw powder in Whole Foods stores across the country. Um, We also turn it into bars and sell the bars. And then we are starting in January, we're releasing a new green energy shot. So if you imagine a cross between a green smoothie and a cup of coffee, all in a little convenient on-the-go shot. Um, that's what this is. The versatility is incredible. You can have the powder, you can have the bar, just add it to right into your regular diet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the things that we think about a lot is, you know, they say only 4% of Americans get their full required (laughs) servings of vegetables that they should for the day. Um, But 68% of Americans say that the number one change they want to make into their diet is to incorporate more vegetables. So clearly, you know, something along those lines isn't working. And um, for us, we really see it as vegetables not being terribly convenient. Um, And when we're such a convenience focused society, um, you need to be able to to get those greens on the go. 
And because Moringa is the most nutritious green in the world, we think we have this opportunity to help Americans get their serving of vegetables and also support women in the developing world to earn a sustainable income through Moringa and also be able to use it and grow it locally and use it to improve the health of their communities. Greens on the go. Yep. (laughs) That is a great branding. Thanks. (laughs) We touched briefly on malnutrition, which is such a prevalent issue in so many developing countries. Why isn't this more used there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think in a lot of the world, Moringa is thought about the same way that Americans thought about kale five years ago or Brussels sprouts two years ago. (laughs) It's this idea of like, this is a green that I know is really nutritious for me, but I don't particularly like it or want to eat it. Um, And in Niger, it's really interesting because, you know, Moringa grows year round. And so often when the last harvest is running out and before the new harvest arrives, they have what they they call the hunger season. Um, and that's when there's the highest rates of malnutrition. There's just way less food around, way less income around. Um, and Moringa grows during that time. It grows year round. It's one of the only plants that grows during this hunger season. Um, and so it kind of has this like poor person's crop type <laughs> stereotype to it um, because people eat it, you know, when they have nothing else to eat. How are you working to kind of alter that or the the fair harvest that you're working with? Are they kind of trying to educate the populations there? Yeah. So a lot of it is through education and then also providing an economic incentive for people to want to grow it. So um, we work really closely with a nonprofit, Fair Harvest, to do nutritional trainings on, you know, how to grow Moringa, um, how to incorporate it into the local diet and, you know, why people should eat it and why people should feed it to their kids and just add a little bit to their sauces and stews. Um, And similarly, we actually just started working in Haiti. That's kind of our newest supply chain. And we're also working with a nonprofit there to do similar type of education about Moringa. And, um, and then all of this is, is fueled by the, the idea of, you know, this is, this plant suddenly has value because here are these Westerners wanting to purchase it. And they're like, okay, well now, you know, someone else is valuing this. What, what do they see in it? Um, so we've actually seen in Ghana in particular, Moringa's just gotten super hip. Like if you go to the airport in Accra, you can buy Moringa juice and there's Moringa pizza. And it's, it's definitely, um, you know, I think not just us, but there's other organizations too that have been working with Moringa. And you can really see the impact of how, cool this plant has is becoming once you start having your product on pizza it really has met that hip climax (laughs) yeah definitely definitely all the Ghanaian hipsters are getting into moringa (laughs) you talked a little bit about the impact of this education and altering the ideas around moringa what about the economic impact of now partnering with these different farm cooperatives yeah, um, it's a huge economic impact. So in 2014, or sorry, in, um, 
yeah, 2014, which was our first year on the market, we purchased $50,000 worth of Moringa, all from um, smallholder women farmers in this cooperative in northern Ghana. Um, this year, we purchased $250,000 worth of Moringa. Wow, that uh, is some serious <laughs> growth. Serious growth. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've more than doubled our company's size. So, you know, along with that comes a much larger economic impact from the, the farmers who we source from. And the cool thing about Moringa is, you know, unlike rice or even cacao or coffee, it's a pretty easy to grow crop. So it doesn't require a ton of their time to grow it, um, but they can sell it for a good amount of money. So um, it's it's definitely something, you know, every time we go to Ghana or just go to Haiti, they're like, okay, when can you start buying more? <laughs> and they're really excited about us um, continuing to grow here in the U.S., and if it hits that superfood status and everyone here starts to adopt it, whoo, it's going to be massive growth. We're not just talking about the five times you did in 2015. This is serious <laughs> growth. Yeah, that's definitely what we're hoping. And, you know, sometimes people ask us, well, what happens if everyone in America starts eating Moringa? Does that mean that nobody in the developing world can eat Moringa? Um, and it's just not true. Like, we're not going to have the kind of scandal around Moringa shortages that we did around quinoa shortages because Moringa is just so easy to grow. This plant grows like a weed. It requires very little water to grow. It prefers hot, dry, sandy soil, and it grows all over the tropics, not just in, you know, the Andean highlands like quinoa. So um, there there will be no coming shortage of Moringa. We're, we're pretty positive about that. That's really important to consider, though, is the type of both positive and negative impact that you create when you start outsourcing from these different countries. Yeah. And I think, I mean, personally, I think the quinoa scandal was a little bit overblown in the sense that, you know, having quinoa blow up like it did in the U.S. pulled hundreds of thousands of farmers in the Bolivian highlands out of poverty. So um, <laughs> if I think if you asked most of the farmers what they, you know, if, if they think it was a good thing that, that Americans started eating quinoa, I bet that, you know, 99% uh, of them would say that yes, that it significantly improved their lives. <laughs> and quinoa, let's be honest, it doesn't show signs of stopping right now. So pretty self-sustaining market. It's true. True. So we just got to get Moringa up to that point. <laughs> I think you've got what it takes to get it there. Thanks. One of the things I was noticing about your company is this emphasis on sustainable growing practices. Can you kind of walk us through what that means? Yeah. So we, um, I mean, first and foremost, we are hoping to get all of our Moringa certified organic. Currently, it's all grown organically, um, but we haven't been able to afford all the certifications quite yet. Um, so the, the cooperative we work with in Ghana just got organic certified, and now we're working on getting Haiti organic certified. Um, but I think beyond that, um, there's, you know, the, the most efficient way to grow a crop is to monocrop it. Um, and that's both efficient, but it's also more efficient for bugs, and it's um, way less efficient from an ecological perspective. Um, so one of the things that we're excited about is really um, doing an agroforestry model where we're planting moringa trees with other plants in it, and you know, the trees can help provide shade for these other plants, and um, just really thinking in a holistic way about how 
how we want to impact the world and how planting these trees and, you know, where we plant these trees because Moringa grows really well on degraded soil. So the area that we're growing the Manhattan is, you know, the land is super degraded. Not a lot, not a lot else grows there. Um, so growing Moringa there can help rejuvenate the soil as well. Um, so just, yeah, those kinds of things are, are all things we really keep in mind when we're um, starting up new supply chains. When you say monocrop, can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah. So monocrop is the idea that you grow all one type of plant next to each other um, and you don't have any diversity in terms of the crops in the field. Um, And so the idea of agroforestry is that, you know, you can actually grow lots of different things together um, and that you can grow, you know, trees specifically with other crops. What kind of impact does that have on the soil? Coming from Idaho, I know that a lot of times you need to trade the soil or grow different things just to kind of re-nutrients. What kind of impact does that have as far as that cycle? Yeah, exactly. Um, So it's much better for the soil because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you're just growing potatoes, for example, then the (laughs) potatoes all (laughs) take up that, you know, they take up a certain amount of nitrogen. They, um, They have a very specific thing that they need from the soil and they kind of deplete the soil as they grow. Um, But if you have an agroforestry model where you have like trees or shrubs grown around and sort of, you know, among crops, um, then there's all these different crops that are that need different things from the soil and also add different things from the soil. So you get a more of a vibrant ecosystem, soil ecosystem. You're helping to create this amazing ecosystem in previously unfertile, dry sand. This is exciting. Thanks. Let's go back to some massive rapid growth from your company because $50,000 of purchase Moringa to $250,000 in 2015, (laughs) that is no small feat. No, and I should say, so we did grow quite a bit. Our company tripled in size from last year. Um, But I think the, you know, the 5X growth in our Moringa largely came um, not just from our growth, but also from the fact that we started selling the pure Moringa powder. Um, And that's actually been incredibly popular. So we started out with the bars and then just this year we started selling the powder and we weren't sure if people would know what to do with it. But I think with the interest in green juices and green smoothies like that, that powder has been selling incredibly well, almost so well that we can't keep up with it. (laughs) That's a good place to be in business. It is. It's a little stressful, but it's a good place. (laughs) You've done some other really exciting things over the last almost two years as far as crowdsourcing and impact investing with your company, including you started off of an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah, so we launched with an Indiegogo campaign in 2013, um, and we actually just finished another one in November of this year. So we did a first one to launch our bars onto the shelf, and then we did a second one that was a joint campaign between us and our nonprofit partners in Haiti um, with the idea that, you know, we weren't just launching a new product. We're trying to build up a sustainable way to help reforest Haiti. Um, So it was a really ambitious (laughs) project and we we had the Clinton Foundation actually cover about half the cost of starting this project but we needed we needed a way to raise the other half so that's why we went out to the crowd and did this campaign 
Oh, you had the Clinton Initiative fund half of it. How did you create that partnership? Yeah, so the Smallholder Farmers Alliance, um, who's a nonprofit in Haiti and just amazing, amazing nonprofit. They've been planting over a million trees a year in Haiti all through this sustainable agroforestry model. Um, and they did a study on Moringa um, and the potential for to export Moringa. Um, and they interviewed me for that study. And, you know, at the end of the study, we sort of talked a little more and, you know, they were like, well, if we can grow this, you know, would you be interested in purchasing it? And I said, yeah, I mean, we are, you know, we're growing our supply chain and we're very interested in, in supporting smallholder farmers and other places in the world. Um, and the Clinton Foundation was there is sort of the biggest funder and supporter of this nonprofit in Haiti. And so we got together with the Clinton Foundation and Cooley Cooley and Smallholder Farmers Alliance and came up with a, a pretty, I think, exciting proposal to help reforest Haiti in a way that supports smallholder farmers and is self-sustaining. So the Clinton Foundation put in some initial capital to help build out the processing center for Moringa and help get all the initial agricultural inputs. But, you know, the plan is that now we start purchasing the Moringa from them and it it sustains itself, that more trees get planted, more farmers get a job, um, all fueled by the U.S. market. You are actually the second guest that we've had on the show helping to address some of the issues and the challenges in Haiti. Earlier this year, the very first episode in January, we had Julie Colombino from Dume Designs and Rebuild Globally, and they're doing some pretty incredible stuff in Haiti as well. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me. The more so, you know, I've been working in West Africa for a very long time and I very rarely get people who say like, oh, I have an initiative in Niger or I have an initiative in Ghana. But somehow like everyone has an initiative in Haiti, <laughs> maybe because it's so close to the U.S. I'm, I haven't figured out that yet. <laughs> well, we'll have to connect you with Julie and you guys can collaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This other really exciting thing you did this past year was impact investing or kind of this angel investing model through AgFunder. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so AgFunder is a platform where you can crowdfund equity investments in your company. Um, so the idea being that, you know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo are platforms where you can crowdfund donations. Um, they're, you know, often pre-orders in exchange for a product, but legally they're donations. And through AgFunder or CircleUp or some of the other platforms, you can actually crowdfund investments. So that is what we've been working on um, for a little while now is, is getting an investment. And so, you know, our, our first crowdfunding campaign went well. We decided to do a second one via AgFunder. And um, we've raised quite a bit of capital through crowdfunding and um, and just kind of impact investors who sort of saw what we were doing and got interested. Now, when you do this raising capital through AgFunder, is that more of an angel investment? Is that kind of donation? Can you walk us through some of that financial stuff that's probably over my head? <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's an investment. We actually did it through what's known as convertible debt. Um, so technically it's debt, 
Although, um, you know, people say that it often wouldn't hold up in court as debt because it's essentially debt in exchange for a promise of equity in the future. And so a lot of times startups say like, you know, well, I'm really small now, but I'm probably going to get really big soon. And so I don't want to put a price on the value of my company and say like, you know, hey, investor, you can have 10% of my company for a million bucks. Instead, they want to say like, hey, investor, you can have, you know, and you can have uh, some of my company now with the expectation that we'll put a price on it in two years or one year. Um, so it's much more entrepreneur friendly. Um, and that's what we did. So we actually have not priced our company quite yet, but we will likely do a price round of investment, um, often known as like a series A is the first, um, the first price round. Um, and we're planning to do that next year. Your company has really just taken off <laughs> within yeah. three years going for your Series A funding. It's been pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I probably, <laughs> I would love to not spend as much time as I do on fundraising, but one of the things about running a manufacturing business is that you just, you know, we we just dropped $150,000 on manufacturing these green energy shots. Um, so we, we have really high capital needs. Um, so that's that's part of the reason I've, I've spent a lot of time on this. Yeah, $150,000 is not quite as easy to cash flow. No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> not at all. Well, your company has just taken off from having just this idea of moringa to creating these bars and energy shots and to physically developing a new agricultural source in Haiti. What else do you have on the future for 2016? <laughs> I've been getting this question a lot recently. Um, so we are we're launching nationwide with Whole Foods um, with both our green energy shots and our moringa powder in January. And so we're super excited about that because we've primarily been in stores along the West Coast to date. And so this is our first national foray. Um, so for us, we're, we're not developing any new products. We're not developing any new supply chains. We are 100% focused on making sure our products are successful across the country. Um, so I'm going to be spending a lot of time traveling around to different cities and um, doing events and trying to get people excited about Moringa. Launching nationwide, no big deal, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the focus. <laughs> How did you get connected with Whole Foods? Yeah, so Whole Foods is our, you know, first and sort of dearest partner. I can't say enough good things about Whole Foods. I think they actually get bashed up in the media way too often, but they're pretty much the first social enterprise out there. I mean, they've created the market for natural and organic food. Um, and they also take chances on small companies with unknown ingredients <laughs> like us. <laughs> so, um, you know, back in 2013, when we had just launched our Indiegogo campaign, they were the first ones to say, you know, we like what you're doing. And even before we'd manufactured our bars, they said, they wanted to bring us in into Northern California Whole Foods, and we did pretty well in that region. And then we expanded to five more regions um, this year. And so next year, they're like, okay, well, you know, we like what you guys have been doing, and we want to put you in all 11 regions. That is so exciting. Yeah. And one of the coolest things that they did that um, I just 
really enjoyed this whole process was, you know, we, we were working with the Clinton Foundation, we were working with the Smallholder Farmers Alliance. And for me, I really wanted to create a product that would tell the story of Haiti. And, um, you know, so much of our our company to date has been around West Africa because that's where all of our moringas come from. And so we wanted to create something that was distinct from our bars and our powder that could talk about Haiti and what reforesting Haiti looks like. Um, and so we went to Whole Foods and said, hey, we have this amazing opportunity to create this new product and, you know, really benefit these farmers. What do you want to like co-create this? Do you want to do this with us? And they said, yes. Um, and so they were the ones who came up with the energy shot idea. And, um, you know, they think that that is something that will really resonate with their customers. Um, so that's kind of the best case scenario because <laughs> I, I love having people way more experienced than me tell me, you know, what they think will actually sell in their stores. Now that is a real partnership. Not yeah. only taking a chance on you and letting you kind of demo out in Northern California and then taking you national once you've proven your model, but now partnering with you to come up with ideas for new products in their stores. Yeah. So it's been really fun. Oh, you guys definitely have a big 2016 on the horizon. <laughs> we do. We do. It's going to be quite a journey. Coming up is that incredible rapid fire where we're going to dive into adventure, impact, mentorship, partnerships, and a whole lot more. One of the new things that we've been doing that have been my absolute favorite is really connecting with guests and pushing forward to see how you, our listeners, can make a positive impact in your everyday life. If you're like so many of our listeners who have been asking how do I make that positive impact? Then I have a treat for you. Check out positiveimpactpodcast.com and download our free tips on five different ways that you can make a positive impact in your life today. It's all about making small positive steps towards moving towards that bigger impact. And with that, we're ready for some adventure. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. Can you tell us about a recent adventure or excursion you've gone on? Yeah, I went to Jordan for 10 days. With, wow. It was amazing. It was this program where they took 10 women on 10 American entrepreneurs and 10 Jordanian entrepreneurs and put them in this 10-day boot camp in Jordan all around how to get financing for your startup and cultural exchange and it entirely changed my perception of what women wearing hijabs are like. You know, I, I think it, it it just broke a lot of stereotypes when you see women up there who are, you know, fully dressed in very traditional garb and are, are pitching really untraditional businesses and are, you know, just as empowered and independent as any of the American women entrepreneurs I know in the U.S. So that was pretty life-changing for me. What a unique experience. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> how do you, how did you stumble across that? I mean, I don't see a lot of advertisements for business boot camp in Jordan. <laughs> you know, no, I didn't either. Um, one of our um, advisors came across it, and it was you know it's an it was an all expense paid opportunity. So thankfully, it was open to us, even with our relatively small budget right now. Oh, wow! Yeah, that one's pretty incredible. <laughs> Many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. Do you find this to be true in your work? Absolutely. Um, so one of 
I mean, the thing that actually allowed me to quit my day job and start Cooley Cooley was a program called Wild Gift, where they give you a $10,000 grant. You can use it however you want. And they take you out into the woods for three weeks and make you think about what you're doing. <laughs> um, so I got to go on this, you know, three-week um, backcountry ski trip before launching full-time into Cooley Cooley. And it was like the perfect transition. Did you uh, just say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just say you went on a three-week backcountry ski trip that was fully funded and came with a $10,000 grant? Yeah, I apply for a lot of these things. <laughs> um, but, if, but if anyone is listening, it's wildgift.org. Um, and they, you know, it's a great for early stage social enterprises. That is officially the best trip I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was amazing. What? Where were you backcountry skiing? In Sun Valley, Idaho. Oh, it is so gorgeous there. <laughs> It is. It really is. (laughs) I grew up in Idaho and then went to school in Bozeman, Montana. So um, that is officially like my dream trip that you just described there. Three days backcountry skiing just to think about business and ski. (laughs) I'm a little jealous. (laughs) You should do it. You should definitely apply. (laughs) That was called Wild Gift, right? Wildgift.org. You might be editing this out so nobody else can compete with me. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fine. Oh, I can't even. All right, we're good. (laughs) Can you describe a time when you were able to have boots on the ground and really see the need for your work in action? Yeah, one of the coolest moments for me was going back to Ghana when I I hadn't been in West Africa at all since Peace Corps and um, going back with the bars and the women we were working with, you know, they'd seen pictures of us, but they'd never actually seen the bars themselves. And they were just so proud, um, like so proud that they had created this and so proud that Americans were eating a product that they had made. And um, I think any sort of, you know, social venture initiative where you can get the people who are, you know, doing the, the work on the ground to feel like they've done it and not feel like it's something that you've done for them, but something that they've created and something that they're really proud of, then you've succeeded. So it was it was a really um, amazing moment for me. The true moment that you get to experience the empowerment. Yeah. Oh. You've done a lot of amazing things in a very short time with Cooley Cooley. What has been your most meaningful contribution? Um, to Cooley Cooley overall? Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, I joke with my co-founder, but my co-founder, um, is also my childhood best friend. Like we literally grew up together and she's our CEO and I'm the CEO and we're kind of like yin and yang. So I do all of the media stuff. I do all of the fundraising, all of the big like partnerships and sales stuff. And um, she handles all of the logistics and sort of operations involved in running a company. Um, and so I think my biggest contribution is is just kind of pushing the company forward. But, you know, I tell her this every day, this company wouldn't exist without you. <laughs> like we couldn't, we couldn't survive because I, my, I think my strength is in, um, having this big vision and, and pushing everyone to, to make it happen. But, um, she's really, really good at all the, the details and logistics that involve running a company. 
Does you that- gotta have both. You gotta have both. <laughs> <laughs> what book do you recommend to others who want to make a socially minded impact? I love Muhammad Yunus, Building a Social Business. I thought that was a really powerful book. What advice do you have for recent grads looking for a meaningful career? So I would tell recent grads to really think about, you know, what what type of job they will be excited to wake up and and do every day and then see if they can just get their foot in the door. Um, Because, you know, we we tend to have a lot of people who are right out of college or right out of Peace Corps who've never worked before. Um, And, you know, they come and they work with us for three to six months and we we pay them, not a lot, but we pay them some. (laughs) Um, And they learn a lot about, you know, what they actually like doing, what they don't like doing, where they're true, like where their passion and skills meet what the world needs and what the, you know, what the business world needs as well. Um, So, I I think just, you know, as much as you can do in college or, you know, right after college to to work in different, to experience different work environments and sort of test things out, um, you'll be much better situated to then, you know, go full force into one thing and know that this is the thing that you want to do forever. Test out all the different fields and find your strengths and your passion. That is incredible advice. Thanks. Is there a mantra or a motto that guides forward your work with Cooley Cooley? Yeah, so actually on my my like background of my computer is the only failure in life is the failure to try. Um, and that's something I think about a lot because, you know, as a the CEO of a startup, I'm constantly failing and I'm constantly trying. Um, and so just, re- you know, making sure that I never get into a, a situation where I'm so sort of upset by the failures or, you know, the many investor rejections or buyer rejections or, you know, my life is full of a lot of rejections, but just <laughs> Ouch. That, and in some ways each failure is a success because you're only you're only getting rejected and you're only failing if you're really trying. Um, and so just making sure that I'm always trying. And you get one step closer to a yes. Right. You'll, you'll never get 100% of the things that you don't ask for. Oh. What is one tactical step that our listener could take today to help make a positive impact on the world? Well, you could buy our products. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it, it really depends. I think, you know, everyone has a different different way of making an impact in the world. And so I'd go back to thinking about what what really drives you and, you know, what do you care about the most? Do you care about food? Do you care about criminal justice? Do you care about um, homelessness? Like, what do you care about? And then what's one really small step towards making a difference on that issue, whether it's giving a couple dollars to a nonprofit or volunteering or buying a certain product that meets sort of, you know, the world you want to live in. Um, And I I do think, and this is not just a plug for me, but I really think that, you know, what everything we buy is a vote towards what type of world we want to live in. So when we buy really 
cheap food from an industrial food system or when we buy really cheap clothes from, you know, sort of not great labor conditions in the developing world, that's we're helping to create that type of a world. But if we buy other things um, or, you know, only buy sort of things at thrift stores, if we can't afford super nice, sustainable apparel, um, that's that's helping to create the type of world we want to live in. Using your choices to help make the type of world we want to live in, that really drives it home. Thanks. Lisa, you have been an incredible guest today. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. This was fun. (laughs) Our listeners, now that they want this Moringa superfood in their life, how do they get connected (laughs) with you and Cooley Cooley? Yeah, so um, K-U-L-I, K-U-L-I, F-O-O-D-S, coolycoolyfoods.com. Um, we will also be starting January um, in Whole Foods stores nationwide. And please, 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 even if you don't buy our products, if you shop at Whole Foods, just like tell someone who works at Whole Foods that you love Moringa and that you think it's cool that they brought us in and that would make all the difference in the world. Social proof right there. <laughs> oh, and then, of course, on Instagram, we're going to – hashtag inspired yeah so that's where we have all of our awesome recipe photos um and then you know we are very active on instagram and twitter and you can follow coolie coolie foods on twitter you can also follow me at lisa curtis wow lisa just totally rocked today's interview and i have to admit that i am absolutely eager to try merengue I don't quite know if I'm going to turn all of my foods green, but pretty soon a lot more are going to have that new moringa powder, and I'm really excited for that new Haiti Energy shot. For more of the incredible impact of Cooley Cooley, join us on Friday as we hear stories from the field and learn about the vast impact that Cooley Cooley is making across several different countries. Additionally, for all the resources mentioned today and photos of this incredible moringa plant, head on over to our show notes page at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash coolie That's K-U-L-I-K-U-L-I. For a free audio download of Muhammad Yunus, head on over to positiveimpactpodcast.com slash goodreads. Air Audible is hooking you up with two free audio downloads, which means you can choose another book from the great recommended readings of our previous guests. For daily inspiration, join us at our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash positive impact community. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.